to your point about Web3, it is kind of giving up control and value to your community. Like that is the core mission is that like you're co-owning this with like unlocking network effects in the way that like, you know, Facebook, Google, um, some of these big tech giants like grew to massive scales because they gave a free product to their users, right? And it was like, that was kind of the way that it worked. Um, but they were also collecting data, but it's like in Web3, if your community members own that data, it's kind of flipping that model on its head where it's like, no, we co-own this together. My point being there is that like, yes, a lot of projects will fail, but like the ones who are truly living up to those Web3 ideals, I think will find a place because they're, you know, trying to build something with their community members. And that's really the mission of Web3. So yeah, I think there will be a lot of failures. I think there will be a few number of winners, just like we saw in the last huge revolution in Web2 with Amazon, Google, Facebook, some of those coming up. But you also have pets.com and a lot of things that didn't last. So I think it'll be the same thing all over again. You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here, we'll increase transparency around the netto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me as we cover stories with our community's front and center, alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. No te lo quieres perder. Zach Guzman is a crypto journalist through and through. But in the last few years, he decided to also challenge the current media landscape and raised $3.25 million towards it. Today, he's co-founder of Web3 Media Company, Trustless Media, and host of the first community-owned mainstream crypto show, Coinage. Now, Zach has worked for his fair share of traditional U.S. news outlets, previously having worked at Yahoo Finance as an anchor and at CNBC as a reporter covering startups and tech. His reporting has been featured across New York Post, Washington Post, HuffPo, NBC, Entrepreneur, and AOL. So today we're going to speak with Zach about the new media model he's fostering, how raising funds had everything to do with the right time and right connections, among them Netflix co-founder Mark Randolph, as well as how community plays a core role in the future of Web3. Take a listen. Welcome back to another Moneda Moves. I'm your host, Leanne Alfaro. Joining me today is Zach Guzman. Now, Zach is a former colleague. We go way back. We haven't talked in some time, so I'm really excited to dive into today. Zach Guzman, founder and CEO of Trustless Media. Thanks so much for joining us. Leanne, it's great to see you. It's been forever since our I CNBC know. day. I know. Since our CNBC days, what were you reporting on back then? What were you covering? I mean, back then it was all startups and tech, and now I'm living the life. Not just Living reporting the life. on it, but doing pivoted, it. Pivoted to crypto uh, reporting, and, and now you're doing the thing. So congratulations on the launch of a full media company. Thank um, you. There's so much to talk about within the crypto space, especially in the last year. But let's start talking about your professional background. How did you get to crypto reporting? Yeah, so after, well, we both left CNBC, I think, like around similar times, maybe, and jumped over to Yahoo Finance and just had been focusing in. I mean, everyone kind of looks at tech and startups and knows, you know, all right, there's a lot of innovation happening in that arena. And that looks like, you know, would be the thing that would become the next big thing. And then people saw crypto and, you know, myself included was like, what's really going on over there? I mean, yes, there's a lot of speculation, but what are they actually building in that arena 
and why is it drawing a lot of super smart people into kind of that ecosystem? And so started paying more and more attention to it, you know, got more interested in it, started to, you know, meet some of the founders and movers and shakers in the space and just, you know, really started becoming the beat that I wanted to cover. And then eventually, uh, once I saw everything getting built in it, wanted to quit and go chase myself to build uh, myself. And now it's been super exciting to see kind of how that technology is being applied to uh, the media sector. Yeah, which is exactly what you're building with Trustless Media. We'll get to that in a second. But for you personally, what have been some of the most exciting uses you've seen of crypto? I mean, covering it last year has just been kind of nuts because, you know, these things kind of started as small experiments, trying to solve problems that everyone deals with in their everyday lives, whether it's sending money back home uh, or trying to buy something in an easier way. You know, crypto has been trying to solve some of these tinier problems. And now, you know, as you think about how they get implemented at the government level, I think El Salvador and their experiment kind of caught a lot of attention in the idea of governments maybe potentially turning to Bitcoin, other cryptocurrencies as a way to, you know, experiment from a huge level. You know, it goes from being a, a micro experiment on a personal level to a, to a you know, country-wide level. Uh, and there have been pros and cons to that. But it's just been fascinating to kind of see how far we've come, right? You know, you think back to when I first kind of got my first Bitcoin in 2014, it was just like a crazy speculative thing that my brother yeah. gave me as a gift. And now it's like, okay, this could be a countrywide form of payment. And what does that actually do? What are the changes? What becomes yeah. possible when that happens? Definitely transcending borders. That's great. Your brother gave you your first Bitcoin. Yeah, it was a graduation present. And I had never even heard of it before. And he's like, the rules are you can't sell this for three years. So you got to hold on to it. And so at the time, it was like 300 bucks. And, uh, you know, when I like looked back at the price in that big run up in 2018, it was like, 10 grand. And so wow. my brother to this day has never let me forget about that gift. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of owe your brother. That's that's big time. Yeah. Amazing. So um, we're right about today. You're running Trustless Media. You're recording out of your studio, out of Industry City. Um, amazing. Uh, as you describe it, it aims to transform the current landscape of TV and media production. And it allows community members not only to fund, but also co-create their own shows with non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Um, so I've seen bits and pieces of your first run of these of these shows. Uh, talk to us about how that community is growing and what kind of content you envision living on that platform. Yeah, so the concept's kind of, you know, we've had Kickstarter for a while. People understand that model. You know, you can crowdfund things. Uh, if, if your listeners are familiar with Patreon, you know, the idea of kind of like supporting a creator exists in that form as well, where you get kind of exclusive clips and a more intimate relationship with your creator. And, you know, when I think about media in that sense, it's just kind of like what could happen if you kind of caught on to a show or a creator in their early days, and you kind of supported them, but also grew with them, right? Uh, I think we've seen a lot of shows, like Squid Game is a good example, that was like kind of niche. Not many people had heard about it, and then it blew up and became like the hottest sensation. And, you know, I had people recommending it to me when it was still a little-known show, and they didn't really get anything out of that. So, like, what would happen if you were able to kind of buy a token, in this case an NFT, that corresponded to that show in its early days, and as you recommended it to friends, the value of the show, value of that NFT, the value of that token actually went up too. 
Um, so what we're exploring is kind of that. It's a mix of Kickstarter. It's a mix of Patreon. It's a mix of verifiable co-ownership with your favorite creator or show to grow with that show and unlock the network effects, essentially, in uh, growing with something and, you know, seeing some of that value go back to the audience. You know, a lot of times... Yeah. It's it's basically a show is only as powerful as the value it attracts or, or the audience it attracts. And our whole core mission is what happens when the audience gets some of that value along with the creator, essentially. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's a great concept, especially because coming from news and journalism, um, and I mean, maybe you can relate with this. I, I saw that, you know, the model needed a little bit of a refresh for sure. Like, I think, you know, we've seen news agencies experiment with like the age old, like advertising model, subscription base, um, something like Patreon to your point. Um, but we haven't given people the, the chance to feel like readers, the chance to feel ownership uh, within it and to really feel like, hey, we we are a part of this like media um kind of ecosystem. So I think that this is a really interesting model and it'd be really excited to see it blow up because I think it could also provide a solution for the future of news and the way that we provide it. Yeah, you know, you know this probably better than anyone I've talked to since we launched, but I mean like it's it's kind of like the way that, you know, on social everything blows up when it's like a super hard take or like sensationalized, yeah. right? Like people yeah. only share or react to that stuff. Um, and so there's an incentive on a lot of news outlets to really lean into that. And sometimes you get away from the facts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you editorialize, you know, and certainly there have been a lot of examples of that maybe in politics. But, you know, this is kind of like a different way to just deliver, I guess, objective facts and really focus in on, on what your community really wants uh, and the stories they want to hear. And so, yeah, so it's, a, it's an active experiment. Our first show, Coinage, is essentially that, to try and see, all right, what are the questions people want us to investigate? What are the stories they want to see told? Cone mm -hmm. this with us, and, and we can kind of partner to do that. And so it's been, it's been real fascinating. We put out our first season. Uh, we had a lot of uh, attention. Our stories got picked up by Bloomberg, CNBC, Reuters, all the big names yep. after we put out a huge one. And so, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a really fun experiment thus far. Something else that picked up the headlines I saw last summer, you raised more than $3 million for the company. And that is huge, especially, I mean, for a founder coming from media, pivoting to running a media company. And of course, I mean, as a Latino. Um, and you, read it, you raised that in a seed funding. Um, it was led by Sam Bankman-Fried's uh, Alameda Research. And it's a big deal. So let's talk about the, the raising first. How did you prepare to raise that kind of money? Had you had any like trial runs ahead of that or like how'd that go? Yeah, it's an interesting kind of, I guess, uh, path because, you know, the idea of a crypto show is something I wanted to do for a long time. I had pitched it at prior media outlets and basically got laughed out of the room. Uh, so it was an idea that may have been before its time. And basically finally started it, as I said, was reporting on this, got to meet people, Sam included, uh, and a bunch of other big names in the space and essentially, you know, approached people who wanted to see education really focused on in terms of, you know, delivering some of this. I feel like a lot of crypto publications report on things as if everyone knows 
the jargon and what the hell is mm. going on. And then you've got mainstream outlets that kind of are like, crypto is a scam. And none of those, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying anything's wrong about either one of those positions, but there is, you know, I think a need for just straight up what's going on here and what is real uh, in a really trusted way that appeals to a mainstream audience because there is a lot of interest in this stuff, but it's extremely confusing. Myself, yeah. I, I even navigating this myself, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. So I think, you know, this was an exciting opportunity to kind of, you know, approach some of those names, uh, you know, before some things played out and yeah. said, yeah, if this is the idea, would we want to kind of create something that bridges the gap between crypto native people and people who are curious and deliver some stories that can help, I guess, grow the entire space. And that was essentially kind of the pitch. And so, yeah, I mean, I had, I had never done this before. So kind of pitching process, I learned a lot. Uh, the co-founder of Netflix is another one of our NFT holders. And so he's kind of a startup advisor. Uh, we just chatted with him recently on an interview for Coinage. And so, you know, I've been learning a lot, but you're right. I think, um, you know, especially it was, it's kind of crypto is a bit of a microcosm in the startup space in the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, as a Latina founder, there's not a lot yeah. of minority founders when it comes to raising. And then in crypto, I think it's, you know, even more so a little bit difficult. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting process and I'm happy to dive deeper into that. First of all, I want to know, you said uh, co-founder of Netflix is a NFT holder. Is it Reed or Mark? It's not Reed. It is Mark. Mark Randolph, <laughs> the lesser known of the two, but the man who's the first CEO, you know? So he's yeah. great for entrepreneurs yeah, that's to learn how to get it off the ground. So, so pitching in these rooms for crypto, what was that like? Because investments were like through the roof um, at the top of last year and even before then. But what was it? What was the process like? Was it really informal? Did you have to like? Did you find that there was a formula that you prepared for, and then you could go and pitch that, or was it just completely like more the wild, wild west? And you know, you're making connections as you go. It was a little bit more wild, wild west. I've been mm. talking to people who had done this before. Like, you know, a lot of my friends uh, have seen these. Some of them work in VC. I was like, what's the actual steps? Well, they're like, you're going to need a deck. You're going to need a huge presentation. You're going right, to need all this. Right, that's what you hear. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, in crypto at the time, you're right. It was mostly just like send an email, pitch the an idea. Yeah. And I had heard these stories too. So I was like, let's just give it a shot. Um, and, you know, I had the luxury of, as a reporter, kind of establishing these relationships with, again, big names. Um, and was basically just like, here's the general idea. I can certainly give you more details if you want them. But at that time, it became, all right, the pitch is essentially helping to grow the space and tell good stories in crypto. And I think for a lot of people who are in this space, seeing the options out there, they're like, no, something like this is necessary. We need to bridge the gap. We need to tell these in a way that anyone can understand them. And so luckily, you know, it didn't take much convincing because, you know, what we're trying to do is essentially just help everyone understand what the hell's going on. So right. there was a lot of need. There was a lot of enthusiasm for yeah. that. And yeah, so. you understood the need. You saw the need coming from journalism. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's very it's very revealing, I think, to, to hear that because we do spend a lot sometimes in the process, in the like preparation phases, in the am I ready, am I not? Um, but I think identifying the opportunity is super important. I want to address um, just the big news in the room, which is everything that's gone down with FTX since the top of the year. And I want to address it from the point of view as somebody who's raised money. So I'm not, I'm not really here to talk about so much about what's going on with Sam and his whole spiel, but like what happens for a company when one of the lead funders uh, kind of is going through in the news, he's being investigated, um, you know, and, and FTX is, is not in a good space right now. Yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, you know, uh, 
Alameda is a company that invests in a lot of different crypto companies. Um, and so, you know, it's, I guess, we're certainly not the only ones who are kind of dealing with, well, what happens now? Um, but, you know, as, as someone who's kind of leading a team attached to all that, you know, it's in media, the whole idea in terms of why we wanted to raise from the people we raised from was kind of establishing those connections. So we raised from a few different people, all of them kind of being big names in the crypto space to kind of open that access because obviously Sam was a name that was connected to a lot of things. So it's like, okay, these are the types mm -hmm. of investors you want. Um, and so when someone like that kind of, you know, becomes, I guess, looked at differently, it kind of undoes a little bit of that. But, you know, when you're focused on telling the stories themselves, there's no shortage of other stories to chase. Um, and luckily we have a pretty good collection of other investors also. So it doesn't really, I mean, it never really changes, I guess, the core mission, right? And mm -hmm. that's one thing that I think would be advice to kind of anybody who's thinking about doing something is like, you need capital to get anything off the ground. You can get capital from a lot of sources. Choosing the right investors is important for not only kind of the capital itself, but also the doors they unlock. Yeah. Um, and having those kind of mentors and people to kind of help guide you along the way. I would be lying if I were to say that it hasn't hurt losing that mm -hmm. uh, because obviously, whether it's media or anything else, you're going to want people who are, you know, invested in not just kind of a return, but also your success and help open those doors. Yeah, 100%. Um, I want to shift and talk a little bit more about crypto at large, which a lot of people are wondering about right now. It's been kind of quiet. At the end of 20, 2022, we had some folks speculating, some people in, in the space as to whether we're in a crypto winter, some other terms like an ice age. Yeah. Um, you, see, you know, you saw cryptocurrencies prices fall sharply and then VC also slow down. Um, from your point of view, what's the assessment? Like what, what should... What are founders, not what should, but what are founders focusing on right now that were like very actively, very publicly building towards like this new next generation of, of companies? Yeah. So I think, you know, crypto goes in cycles for one. So anyone who's kind of watching it play out, you know, we've seen this before. Uh, prices go up, prices go down, but the building and the innovation continues on. Um, and so, you know, I think it would be foolish to assume that the Ice Age lasts forever just because we've seen that's not the case. Um, but for everyone building, obviously it's become, you know, you're dealing with an entirely different uh, game than you were before in the sense of, you know, speculation has melted away. But I think that that's actually pretty good for projects who are building a real thing. Hmm. Uh, and it kind of weirdly, you know, there's this phrase that... Um, Building in the bear is a gift, and it was something that like has been said before. But building in a bear market actually can be good in the sense of projects who are actually building something real do have an opportunity to distinguish themselves from projects who are just there for the speculative piece. Yeah. And obviously, when prices are going up, that's basically all you need. Just get your product out there, and it'll go up in price. And so I think it's actually been really interesting and weirdly a good time for us to kind of be launching our thing because we are focused on kind of revolutionizing this model of media. And I think a lot of the other projects that were just cash grabs have kind of melted away because that opportunity is not there anymore. So uh, I guess that that's one thing that has changed. And if you're kind of like someone just looking at the space, it's also weirdly 
like a time to be educating yourself and a time to be learning yeah. about this stuff because, you know, getting in when prices are low is weirdly, I guess, the safest way to kind of invest. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly what we hear for around the stock market, right? Um, that this yeah. is the time to really learn, uh, to really experiment, uh, well, as much as your risk tolerance allows. Um, and it's interesting because yes. it's something that I also heard in a Gary Vee podcast. I know he's been very vocal about this space with his own uh, endeavors in it as well. And I kind of wanted to talk about that, too, because I've, I've heard him compare the rise of Web 3 to, like, the rise of Web 2 and kind of, like, analysis of, like, historical events that took place ahead and how you had, similar to how you said, competitors melt away when things got rough um, and that there would be eventual winners that would dominate the market. Do you think that that's, with everything that Web 3 preaches about giving the power back to the people, do you think that that is the like very optimistic future we're working towards or is it more like we're going to see clear winners and clear losers and the winners are going to certainly be limited? Hmm. If I could quote Pitbull here, Leanne, actually weirdly, because <laughs> I've interviewed Gary V too. And it, I yeah. know I, he said the same thing to me and it's like, I agree. Like a lot of these things are going to go to zero um, particularly said that about NFT projects and like weirdly Pitbull's quote stuck with me when we were at Make It, when we were at CNBC Make It, he's got some, he said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the way he says it or if it's the actual message, but I think it's both. But he, oh so his whole thing is like, uh, money can bring you happiness. You just got to give it away. And weirdly, you know, he was talking about charity in that sense, I think. But mm. to your point about Web3, it is kind of giving up control and value to your community. Like that is the core mission is that like you're co-owning this with like unlocking network effects in the way that like, you know, Facebook, Google, um, some of these big tech giants like grew to massive scales because they gave a free product to their users. Right. And it was mm -hmm. like that was kind of the way that it worked. Um, but they were also collecting data. But it's like in Web3, if your community members own that data, it's kind of flipping that model on its head where it's like, no, we co-own this together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Pitbull's words are weirdly really Web3 in the sense of you do have to give stuff away. Yep. And, you know, I guess my point being there is that, like, yes, a lot of projects will fail. But, like, the ones who are truly living up to those Web3 ideals, I think, will find a place because they're you know trying to build something with their community members and that's really the mission of web3 so yeah i think there will be a lot of failures i think there will be a few number of winners just like we saw in the last huge revolution in web2 with amazon google facebook some of those coming up but you also had pets.com and yep. a lot of things that didn't last so i think it'll be the same thing all over again yeah yeah that's really interesting to hear from you too so I wanted to kind of draw a correlation to another uh, guest that we had on our podcast. Last year, we had Web3 Familia. They're a nonprofit. They are, they're working to onboard Latinos into Web3 space through education. And they're trying to meet consumers, sure, of course, but they're also trying to meet founders where they're at, knowing that there are so many Latino founders who are also trying to get a slice of the Web3 pie. Um, to any founders building in the Web3 space, what advice would you offer to them? Anything you've learned during this time? Yeah, I've, I've seen that project, too. And honestly, it's a good reminder for me to like reach out to them and, and follow up a little bit more because I, I can make the connect. All right. There we <laughs> yes, go. Interest yes, being yes, made yes. in real time. But yeah, I think, you know, that's a powerful piece of all this, too, because it is networking. And I think the advice there would be like as much as you just want to get heads down and crank and grind and build, it's like 
doing that is also a bit of a trap because half of the battle is like, yes, you need to work on your product or whatever you're trying to sell, but also like need to make sure people are aware that you're even doing it or that it's going to be coming out or that like, you know, you're working on something that's going to be a net positive um, because it's super easy to fall in that trap for anyone building anything to just think that, oh, well, I can build the greatest thing. And of course it's going to take off because it also requires that second piece, which is, you know, networking in the right way bringing along the right partners, uh, finding the power brokers that can help get the message out, like all of that matters. And so, you know, I think it's a really important piece and it's something that, you know, Mark has instilled in me and he wrote about in his book. And it's just kind of an important piece that I think any founder can kind of overlook um, just because you really want to put the energy and time into the actual product you're building. But it's a fallacy and it's a pretty easy trap to fall into. Thanks for that. I think a lot of people um, can probably relate to that um, and making sure that you build community while you're doing something that's completely new. You're building a whole blueprint. Um, the last question I like to ask everyone who's on this show is talk to us about some of your biggest uh, personal money learnings so far in terms of managing money on a personal level. Yeah, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned it earlier, which is risk tolerance and kind of investing to that risk tolerance. Uh, you know, I've been pretty open about mistakes I made last year just in terms of crypto, um, just because of, you know, the ability for some of these things being speculative to go to zero. Um, and indeed, one of the projects that we covered, uh, Terra, did go to zero and it dragged down a lot of people and a lot of people, including me. Um, but I think that that's an important learning is just to really, you know, you can't make any of these decisions in regarding to, you know, how much you're willing to lose until you look at how much you have. And so I think it's an important exercise for kind of anyone looking at personal finances or investing to do the homework, sit down and actually write it out and see like what you're willing to lose. What is my risk tolerance? Really? What are my goals? Um, because it's easy to lose sight of that, including on the upside, right? Like taking money off the table, you really can't calculate if you should take money off the table until you know what the goal is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I personally got lost in that sauce last year just because things had shot up. And you're like, you assume that that's going to stay that way when a lot of these things, like if you don't know the risks, uh, the ability for that to go to zero is huge. And so, you know, it's a good reminder. That's why we're here, right? To like help educate yeah. people and say, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are one thing. All of these other things past it in crypto are a bit more speculative. So beware here the risks. And I think that that's important kind of for anyone, whether it's crypto or just normal investing, as we saw in the stock market too, just making sure you take the time probably once a year isn't too much to ask to go back and look at some of these things and make sure you rebalance maybe quarterly to say, am I hitting my goals or not? hundred percent. Great advice. Finally, where can we find you on social media or otherwise? So on Twitter, I'm most active there as you trained me to be when we were at CNBC. That was a big platform <laughs> for us. It's still on at Zigus on Twitter, but coinage, the show at coinage.media. You can check out our content there. Our first season is up. Uh, and ad free so people can watch it there or on YouTube, Coinage Media. Uh, either way, I think it's a good first step for a lot of people who are looking to get their beak wet, take their first step in crypto. A lot of things to learn from a big picture. We've talked about the metaverse, why Facebook is so uh, amped about that opportunity. Um, so yeah, so you can check it out there. Um, but yeah, Leanne, I appreciate you having me on, honestly. I think it's it's really cool what you're doing. And I could probably learn a few things from you on podcasting as well as we look at that. Oh, we have um, to connect. We have to set up separate time. But like you yes. said, this is this is the time to learn. So go check out uh, Coinage, your new show, and you'll be launching another one this year, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking to, to partner with creators to kind of replicate what we've been able to do. And so, you know, the next one, it's not going to be crypto related probably, but, uh, but we'll see what we crank out next. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Zach, for joining us and wishing you best of luck on your endeavors this year. Thank you so much, Leanne. Appreciate it. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and money moves via our free newsletter written by yours truly at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.